Hello there and welcome to the One Team in Ayrshire podcast. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from the YouTube live was looking back at the defeat of Rangers, the debacle at Hamilton, the draw with Hibs and a couple of transfer rumours. That's with Adam Lyon and Andrew McGregor. Enjoy. Gordon. Johnson. Oh, this will be interesting. Kilmarnock have scored. Six and a half minutes to go. Welcome to the One Team in Ayrshire YouTube channel. Today we're going to be reviewing the Rangers game, talking about yesterday's Hamilton call-off and looking forward to the Hibs game as well. Joining me today from Florida, it's Andrew McGregor. Hi, how are you doing? How are you doing today? Not too bad. Glad to be here. Excited to talk at the Rangers game. Okay, we'll just go straight on with that. Remember, if you have any questions, then please leave them in the uh, chat along the side. And if you have any, uh, if you have any, what's the word I'm looking for? Comments about anything we're talking about, then you can do that as well uh, in the chat at the side as well. You can talk amongst yourselves and uh, give us some things to talk about as well. So on to the Rangers game. Uh, first up. Uh, before the game, Kelly, most Kelly fans, you would have said, uh, were actually quite optimistic, which is something uh, you don't really expect going into a game against Rangers. But, uh, Andrew, were you quite optimistic, or were you kind of fearing for the worst a wee bit? No, I was optimistic. I think I put in our WhatsApp group that you know, it was 3 nothing. I didn't think there was anything to fear from Rangers. Um, and even when we went 1-0 down, I still wasn't that fearful. I still thought we could come back into it. Yeah, uh, so... In the first half, it was uh, pretty even, uh, you'd have to say, but Rangers scored against the run of play, just a bit of a lapse uh, in our defensive concentration meant that uh, uh, Declan John was able to slide the ball in past Jamie McDonald. What were your thoughts on the first half as a whole? I thought that we had the better of the play without really creating anything. Um, I don't think Rangers looked up too much, so I was a bit surprised when they actually did manage to score, but I thought for the most part, you know, we played quite well without creating any opportunities. 
Yeah, so under Steve Clark, uh, you would have said, you know, 1-0 down to Rangers at half-time, we might not have come back into it. But, you know, you know under Steve Clark, it's kind of been, you know, we've, we've got this never-say-die attitude. And do you think that really helped us uh, going into the second half? And did you still believe that we could get something from the game? Yeah, I think I still believed it. You've seen that uh, several times we've, we've come back, you know, which definitely wasn't a... Uh, something that we generally saw in a Lee Clark or Locke or Alan Johnson. Um, but I still, I don't know, just, there was some, some feeling going about that. I really thought that we could come back in. I thought we were hard luck to be 1 0 down. I don't think Rangers looked like they were that better than us. And I still expected us to come out of the second half. I don't think we quite expected to, the second half to be the battering that we really gave them. Um, remember, I was watching it. I was, um, I, as I mentioned to you earlier on, I didn't see the second half at the time, I ended up watching it back later on. But um, yeah, we are. I think I don't think I've ever seen us, the Rangers, that much. You know, put that much pressure on them for a concerted period of time. Yeah. So uh, the second half, as you say, we never really expected. It was a battering. Let's to be honest, it was you know domination from us, which is something you would not have expected uh, going up against Rangers. Uh, but we had a couple of chances. Didn't quite fall for us. Uh, West Fodringham with a couple of saves. And then Chris Boyd uh, eventually got a quick-fire double uh, to give put us up to one. You know, he's been criticised in the past, Chris Boyd, but he does always seem to turn up uh, when he's needed. And this season in particular, he has been, you know, lethal in front of goal at times. Yeah, it was... Um, ever since uh, Steve Park came in, he's definitely upped his game a lot. Um, I can't remember how many goals he's scored, about four or five since Clark's come in. Um, but even like, before he scored those two, like Fogging made a great save from that header. Um, and that's another point there. Uh, the free kick that leading up to that uh, header, I think it was a Declan John got yellow carded. I mean, he should already been yellow carded for the, the jumping into the crowd after the goal, so he should be been off. And I think we kind of skipped past the fact that Tavernier should have been sent off in the first half after two blatant yellow cards against Jones. But um, yeah, like, you saw like you had a couple of chances, that header, and then you had another one beforehand where you were slightly offside. Um, and then obviously Brophy had the post before we managed to score two. Yeah, so uh, obviously we had, we got those two goals, but the pleasing thing was that you know it could have been more than two. It could have been you know four or five if we had just you know taken our chances and Fodderingham hadn't pulled off so many good saves, which is you know unbelievable to think about when if you were thinking about playing Rangers, you know four or five years ago, you'd be like you know they'd be the ones scoring four or five, not us. So it really does just show. You know the turnaround that's happened under Lee Clark with this group of players. No, yeah, I completely agree. It's it's amazing really just to watch the way we pumped Rangers like properly for forty five minutes, and there was no time where you thought we were under real concerted pressure. You know, generally when you win at the old firm, you know it's like you can, you nick a goal and then you hold on for dear life. You know, like when we done. Uh, I remember way back when we first got promoted, going to Ibrox and winning two one and. You know, we put under a lot of pressure then as well, and even when we won one now in the last day of the Old Rugby Park, um, you know, it was still like you know, conservative pressure from Rangers towards the end. Yeah. You know, I don't think I've ever seen it where we've been so comfortable. Yeah, so we're talking about Chris Boyd a minute ago. We've got a wee uh, comment in the chat just saying that uh, we still need a striker. Don't think we have enough up front to punish teams when we are on top. Would you agree with that, or do you think that you know Boyd and Brophy are forming quite a good partnership? At the minute, I think Boyd and Brophy do have quite a good partnership, and for some weird reason, I still hope that Erwin will come good. But I think if Erwin doesn't come good, we do need someone else. Um, 
you know, Boyd or Brophy get injured, um, you know, who do you bring in? I know there's maybe some Dadsy in the reserves or the, the other guy in the, the development league, um, youngster. But yeah, I think we probably need someone else as backup. Um, Boyd's at well, fire, uh, fire on now, so someone doesn't want, but who knows? Maybe get injured in the next game and be out with it, without him for the next uh, few, four months. Yeah, so you've seen the whole game. Who would you put as your man of the match for that game? I think it has to be Malumbo. Yeah. But I would like to give a quick, you know, I, I didn't see too much chat about him, but I thought Broadfoot was excellent as well. Um, you know, maybe not man of the match, but definitely one of the most uh, accomplished forms I've seen for him. And the way he slows down the play when need be and gets niggly little tackles and winds up the opposition is exactly what we need for ages. We kind of saw that back at the game at Ibrox where we got the penalty and um, he basically got Ryan Jackson off. But I thought yesterday he was excellent as well. It's the same with it, O'Donnell. But yeah, I think if I had to pick one, and even the boys got two, I think Malumbu was just man the match. The way he just like she, he basically bossed that midfield. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he has really shown his true quality since he, he came in. He is really a cut above the rest, to be honest. Uh, there's not really much arguing you can do with that. Although, obviously, you could give shout outs. To quite a number of players, I don't think there's any players on that park that really had a bad game or didn't step up. Everybody knew what they had to do, especially in that second half, and they really just uh, got on with it. To be honest, uh, so that go that is the Rangers game. Uh, now we'll talk about last night's fiasco uh, concerning the uh, postponed uh, game against Hamilton. Uh, so around one and a half thousand Kelly fans were expected. Uh, to make the journey up to the Super Seal Stadium. Uh, Andrew, what was your kind of mindset heading into the game? Were you confident that we could get three points quite easily? I wouldn't say quite easily. Hamilton are really they're kind of sticky. You know, they're really difficult to get past, but I was confident we could win. You know, it may not be uh, you know, good football or uh, comfortable, but I thought we could maybe nick a 1-0 or 2-1 win or something like that. I definitely thought it was more than the best one chance rather than the Hibs game, which I think would be quite difficult. Yeah. So uh, around 6.15, the call came that the match was to be abandoned. Uh, It just seemed like, I don't know what you were were seeing on Twitter, but it was just sort of unpreparedness from, you know, Hamilton. They didn't really, they they said they were working on it all day, but people were kind of a bit unsure as to where they actually were. And there was rumours going around that maybe, you know, they'd, Intentionally, not prepared the park so they didn't have to play. You know, you know, as in such good form. Do you think there's any basis in that, or do you think that's just a bit of speculation? Like, I really don't want to believe that would be the case. You know, you'd like to think that no team would ever do that, but just some of the little things just don't add up. Like, I think Canning and Hamilton Ackies had contradictory statements released to the website, and then they contradicted themselves when they were speaking on the radio. And then I think Jordan Jones tweeted out that they only kind of started clearing up like, what, 10 minutes after they got there? Um, so I think there's lots of things that contradict exactly what they're trying to say. I think I also read on Twitter as well that Hamilton didn't want to pay their players overtime for um, coming in the day before to start clearing it. And it also seemed that it snowed the day after Christmas and they let it just sit there because um, they thought that the snow would be a protective barrier to the pitch. Now, I know that can be the case, but if you're heating up during the day and then freezing hard at night, then all you're going to do is end up with a sheet of ice. So, it just, I don't know, it seems either they completely, like, they didn't mean to do it and they've just made a complete hash of it, 
or you know, it seems a bit something a bit dodgy going on. I wouldn't like to come out and say yes, they were definitely trying to get away with not having to play us, um, which is really annoying because I think as well, like the games uh, Christmas and New Year are some of the best games of the year. And generally, people are all off and looking forward to it. And this also brings me to another point: is why were these games not on Boxing Day at three o'clock? You know, you'd like to think that if it was during the day, you know, part of the problem was last night it was getting colder and colder. Um, if it was a three o'clock on Boxing Day, then maybe it would have had a better chance. But who knows? Yeah, definitely. There's there's something about fishy going on there. You might think. Uh, so many fans were already in Hamilton when uh, when the announcement was made, and obviously they just made the trip for nothing. What do you think is in that could be done in the future so that you know this helps the fans? You know, whether it's earlier. Uh, inspection times or you know you're giving refunds to fans that have made the journey do you think there's anything that could be used to make the fan experience a bit better because you know attracting fans to Scottish you know football games isn't you know it's getting harder and harder all the time and things like this will just make even more people say you know what it's not really worth it I think there's definitely things they could do the SPFL could put guidelines in place or standards in place that if there's any risk of a game being called off, you you need to be doing this at the earliest possible moment and put uh, fines or some other measure in place to you know confirm compliance. Because if if it's true that Hamilton didn't have that pitch, you know if it was like that early in the morning, then why was the pitch inspection the waited to six o'clock at night? They should have had the referee in earlier, you know. And like I say, from the anecdotal evidence we've seen on Twitter, is they didn't start working on the pitch until about six o'clock. And then you also saw pictures of the pitch after, like, about 8 o'clock or something like that, and they looked perfectly fine. So, you know, they were salting the pitch and everything down and trying to clear all the snow off, but it's like, why wasn't this done earlier? And if they started a few hours earlier, then surely the pitch would have been fine, we could have played the game. Yeah. But, yes, the... So, yeah, but the SPL can definitely put something in place. They can uh, put restrictions in place and fines and everything else to for compliance, but I think at the moment they're a bit of an easy touch, and I think that's what Hamilton are counting on. You can't exactly can you see the SPFL handing out any kind of punishment? I can't. Yeah, definitely not. It's not something they've been you know known for uh, in the past. So obviously this is a very frustrating situation for you know everybody involved with Kilmarnock, probably with Hamilton as well. Uh, do you think you know going this could be a, a difficult game against Hibs this weekend, and you know if do you think this has killed our momentum? You know, we're all we're all looking forward to this game. We're all preparing for it, thinking you know this is going to be a really good performance on the back of the Rangers game. Do you think it's killed our momentum a wee bit, or do you think you know we're all still ready to go ahead of the Hibs game? No, no, I think we'll be fine. Um, I think in some ways it might help us out. You know, if we had that game last night and you know it was a cold, you know, lots of knocks and bruises and stuff like that, and then two days to prepare. You saw Hebs last night, they got, kind of got kicked around a lot by Hearts and had that goal disallowed. So, you know, hopefully they'll get a bit flustered about that because obviously they'll probably get today off and then they'll just be training Friday. So hopefully that'll give us a couple of extra days and we'll be a lot fresher in Hebs for Saturday. But, you know, still, you can't deny that if we'd won last night, we'd have been going into the Hebs game with, you know, even more positivity. So I think it's all swings and roundabouts, I guess. Yeah, so uh, going on to the Hebs game, they've only uh, won one out of the last four. Uh, obviously they drew nil nil with Hearts last night. Did you see the game? Uh, yeah, I watched uh, some of it. The second half kind of put me to sleep, but yeah, I saw all the first half and most of the second. Yeah, what were your, what were your thoughts on Hibs uh, on how they looked last night? You can definitely see like 
lot of the times Hearts were playing a really high line and they kept on trying to switch the ball in between them, like down the flanks, and you kind of saw them doing that again at the weekend. can't remember if they were playing at the weekend now, was it Athens? Um, but basically, you, uh, but yeah, you saw them, like, they started switching the ball like very quickly, like McGinn and McGeoff were uh, flicking the ball down into the, the wide areas because Hearts were playing such a high line. And you can definitely see like some of the passes that they were able to pull from midfield to turn the defence into attack were quite good. Um, so that's something we we'll need to watch out for. And I think we saw that when the beat is 3-0 at home. Um, so I think Clark will obviously make the team aware just to watch out for that switch of play that they seem to love to do quite often. Yeah, obviously their, their attacking threat is, you know, everybody knows about it, but they did look quite shaky defensively at times, Jink, you know, around F.A. Ambrose. I think that's something that we could exploit, especially with the likes of Jordan Jones if he plays. Definitely, that's their weak spot. You know, you see how many times they dominate games but don't win. And partly because they don't score enough goals, but also because they don't keep enough clean sheets. Um, so I think we can... I think even though the, we didn't score against them in the 3-0 game, the amount of chances we created on them, and it was more just our own bad finishing rather than their good defending that yeah. stopped us from scoring that day. So I think we can definitely score. Um, I fully expect Hibs to have more of the ball and put a bit more pressure on us. But um, I caught the clock is, you know, basically built a good way for winning away from home, so... Um, I think it'll be a tough, tough game and I'd be more than happy with a point, but I think we can definitely win it. Yeah, uh, so who do you think, what player do you think will be, will be their biggest threat for us going into it? I think probably McGinn. Um, just his range of pass, passing, the way he can probably cut us open if you get some time and space in the midfield. You saw against Hearts the other night, they had, um, when the Hearts player stood off and they managed to, he managed to swing some uh, good passes around, so Really, probably just have to make sure our midfield trio are really putting pressure on again, not giving him any time in the ball, so he doesn't have time to get his head up and you know place those passes. And as much as Stokes has not been particularly great, I always think he's a difficult player. And you know, he, one game he can be absolutely amazing, the next game he can be anonymous. So hopefully tomorrow he's anonymous. But I, I, I do kind of rate Stokes. Yeah, when you're talking about him again, uh, you know, one of the, the things that our midfield trio have been so good at since they, they started playing together is, you know, dominating that midfield, you know, closing down everybody all the time and, you know, they can all pass the ball. So hopefully, you know, that midfield battle, I think, is going to be key on Saturday. You know, uh, the three of our guys against the likes of McGinn and uh, Kyle Bartley. Uh, and I think that could be, whoever wins that battle could come out on top in the game as a whole. So your score prediction for Saturday... Um, I would say one-one. Yeah, it's gonna be a tight game. Yeah, I think it, I think it'll be a real tight game. It's gonna be the last game before the summer break, uh, the winter break. So both teams are really going to go into it. Um, I think it depends really as well, like how Hibs come out of the you know the derby game in midweek. Um, I think that could give us a better shot. But I'm just I think one-one. I wouldn't be surprised if it's two-one. Um, I'd be more surprised if we lose the game. Yeah, I think I probably agree with you on the. You know how tight it's going to be for me. Uh, I think we we still have enough to come out on top, especially with our, you know, forward players. Uh, so I'm going to go for a two-one win uh, in that one, which should hopefully boost us back up into the top six. Uh, depending on you know other results, we've got a two-one uh, prediction, two-one to Hibs uh, in the chat. So not everybody's as positive uh, as I am, but. Uh, you know, we, you never know, do you? Uh, especially with us, you know, we've seen it so far this season, the one-all draw 
you know, with Rangers and then, you know, 3-0, you know, against Hibs. So that is when it, does that, you know, it is quite annoying being a Kelly fan, isn't it? The inconsistency, even just now, you know, when Lee Clark's come in, the 3-0 against Hibs, the 3-1 against Aberdeen, those are still results that you look at and think we should have got something from that game. Yeah, especially the Aberdeen game as well. Which I know we didn't play well for the last 20 minutes, uh, for the first 20 minutes. But you saw in the second half, I think we made it 2-1 at one point, or um, before they made it 3-1, and I really thought we were going to get the equaliser as well. It was just losing two goals early in the first half. It was just, um, you know, it was a bit of a nightmare. So, um, but I think even when you look at the results, like the Hibs game, I think was one of the weirdest games I've ever seen, where it's, uh, we were kind of like, almost dominant the amount of chances we created we lost 3-0 then the Aberdeen game just Aberdeen are a really good side if you make some mistakes you know they're going to get punished but I think even in the Aberdeen game we didn't look out of place so it's good to see that you know under Clark we've managed to you know beat Rangers draw with Rangers draw with Celtic and then also beat a lot of the teams around about us like Motherwell and Partick and so forth yeah definitely so uh, a couple of one more thing I want to talk about before we go uh, Jordan Jones obviously uh uh, late last night, early today, uh, the papers were reporting that Hull City were now interested in him, as well as obviously Burnley and Rangers. Do you think you know Hull are in the Premier League? They're looking to you know, uh, so Hull aren't in the Premier League. Sorry, they're looking to get into the no, they are in the Premier League. I'm having a bit of a oh, Hull in the Championship. Championship. I'm having a moment here. Uh, Obviously, they're looking to get back up into the Premier League. Do you think he could be swayed by that offer? Obviously, you know, if he goes to Burnley, he might not get the chance, seeing as they are uh, a Premiership team. But maybe a Championship team may get more of a chance and then maybe get that step up into the Premier League if they get up there. Yeah, I think he would probably prefer that rather than staying up here. Um, just because I think, um, for all reports, you know, all his family and everything are down south and he still travels up and down to see them all the time. So... I can imagine he'd probably like that. And from a personal point of view, I'd rather than go to Hull than Rangers, which has been mooted, I think, what was it? $400,000 cash plus a player. Uh, we wanted Hardy, but they wanted to give us um, Hodson. Yeah. I personally would have rather said, that's fine, give us 400 grand, give us Michael O'Hara, and we'll call it a deal. Yeah, you would think that maybe you know Rangers may not interest him, but. Uh, obviously, we wouldn't want him to go if he doesn't have to. But do you think if a big offer comes in, then you know we might see him go in like a like a really big offer? If we're talking about it, yeah, I think so. Um, but all indications seem to be that you know there's something going on there. You'd like to think that Clark was there and put his foot down, but maybe he's quite happy to rather have the cash in to bring whoever he wants in. But um, it would be sad to see Jordan Jones leave and. Especially since you see the progress from when he came here. Like when he first started, he was a bit inconsistent under Lee Clark. And, you know, fair play to McCulloch, he actually brought him along more in that second half of last season. And, you know, he was definitely one of the more brighter spots at the beginning of the season where we're still struggling. But, I mean, it's nice to see you like seeing these players come in and improve. And, you know, Lee Clark, for all his sporadic signings, you know, to give us Cooler Valley and Jordan Jones. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see, obviously, see him stay, especially now he's got into the Ireland squad. But, you know, I think we all know it's like you get off the job with more money, you're going to take it generally. Yeah, do you think that the fact that we do have Lee Clark, we that might but, tempt him to stay because he has such, Steve Clark, sorry, that might tempt him to stay because he is such a high profile manager and he thinks he might, you know, uh, do really well under him? 
I think, I don't know in this situation, I think in general, yes, the fact we've got Steve Clark, you might see some other players decide to stay like Kilfie and stuff like that, or other players will come in to work with Clark, but I think in John Jones's case, um, I, I don't know, I think it's, I think if the offer comes in for Hull, he'll probably take it because he'd like to go back down there, and obviously Rangers are probably going to double or triple his salary, because I can't imagine he's on a lot of money from when we signed him in the first place, so... Um, I can imagine in both those instances, you know, if someone offers to double your money, I don't care, you know, how low you are, you're generally going to go. Yeah. Uh, so, I think that's going to do us for today, hopefully. I'm just going to wait, before we yeah. skipped off, I wonder what, uh, if anyone in the comments or yourself had a thought, who do you think actually will be in the bottom two? Because it seems to be tidying up at one point, I thought it was really going to be Partick, but they seem to have started picking up a couple of results and have decent form at home. Dundee seems to be picking up a couple of points here and there. Kamala will get pulled into, maybe St. Johnson. Ross County, I still think, will have too much on Carl in charge. But for the first time in years, I really don't know who will go down. Yeah, I think in the past couple of years, you know, there has been a thing where one team has always been, you know, a lot worse than the rest. But this season, it seems to be that, you know, all of the teams are in the bottom six seem to be going through a bad patch. Uh, and they always get dragged back down again after they start going up a bit so it's really hard to actually uh, say who it's going to be uh, I'd say based on current uh, form or the form of the past you know, one or two months you maybe say Partick and you know Dundee but uh, like you said it is so hard to say because of uh you know, the inconsistency of all the teams that are in that kind of group. Hopefully, we've, you know, distanced ourselves from that a bit. But, you know, you never know a couple of bad results for us and you can see everybody else starting to catch us again. So there's really no way to actually uh, tell at this point. Yeah, because I think we're only, what, is it nine points ahead of party? Maybe ten or Yeah, something like that, yeah. So we could easily get pulled back into it. And, you know, after Motherwell's amazing start, you know, they're kind of, like, getting pulled back into this as well. So you'd like to think, I think that's one of the reasons why Clark, uh, apparently, well, I don't know if he was upset or not, but he refused to say anything to the media last night about the game. But I'm sure he'd rather have the game on and get those points on the board and pull away, you know, more from the relegation zone. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and did you just want to talk about Rory McKenzie for a bit? Because, obviously... Uh, he's not played the last couple of weeks and there was rumours of him going uh, Yeah, abroad. I think Russell mentioned that he was going to be uh, I think it was offers in from what, Partick and um, Motherwell and was it Colorado Rapids and MLS as well yeah. um, so I think if it was him I'd probably do the MLS but I know he's doing his degree and everything else so maybe he wouldn't feel like you know, missing all that around so maybe he'd prefer the uh, Club of Scotland but I don't know, I've always kind of liked Rory McKenzie, but he is a fury and he's one of these guys that gives you one great performance and then five mediocre ones. And I think Russell mentioned as well that he's probably one of the highest paid players at the club, so you know, maybe if Clark could use that money better off, then maybe better off going. But um, I don't know, it'd be a bit sad because he is one of the youth players that came up, but at the same time, players sometimes just have to move on to further their own careers. Yeah, definitely. So uh, that will do us for today. Thanks to Andrew for joining me from Florida. Do you want to give uh, your Twitter a wee shout out? Sure, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at TheSnowman21. Yeah, so thanks to everyone who's been uh, 
giving us some comments in the chat while we've been live. Uh, just read a couple of these out. We've got uh, another prediction from Ryan Aird. He says it'll be 1-0 Kelly on Saturday. Uh, as for the bottom two teams, uh, Saint is going for Partick and Ross County and Ryan is going for Partick and Motherwell uh, if they don't replace Louis Moult. So uh, definitely some uh, varying predictions there, uh, just like us, we don't, we don't really know who it's going to be. But you can, uh, of course, follow us on all the usual social media, Twitter at, at One Team Ayrshire, Facebook is One Team in Ayrshire, and obviously subscribe on the YouTube as well if you haven't already. So thank you very much for watching uh, One Team in Ayrshire. Hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you again, same time, same place, next week. Hello and welcome to the One Team in Ayrshire YouTube channel. I think we've ironed out all the glitches now and we should be good to start for this fourth instalment of One Team in Ayrshire Live. I'm your host today, Adam Lyon. Joining me all the way from Florida, it's Andrew McGregor. Thank you, thanks for having me back. So, uh, before we start on Kelly itself, I just want to do a wee thing where we get to know you know, the contributors to the show. Uh, so I'll just ask you a couple of questions, Andrew. Just tell us a wee bit about, you know, Florida, a bit about the sports in Florida uh, and about your local, you know, football teams that are around in your area. Sure. Um, so the American football team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are owned by the Glazers, who of you probably know they own Manchester United. Yep. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers usually suck as well. Um, the baseball team we have is the Tampa Bay Rays. They generally suck as well. And uh, then we have in the so it's a bit different over here for uh, football because uh, in the MLS we have a, uh, the Orlando team, um, Orlando City. I've been to see them a few times with my son. And then we've got the Tampa Bay Rowdies, who um, some of you may know Neil Collins, who's a Kilmarnock fan, and I used to play over in Scotland as well. And um, he plays for them. They're over in St. Petersburg. They play in, it's like, the tier below the MLS, but there's no, like, promotion or relegation, so there's no way for them to get up. Um, so they're, the, like, the local teams. Um, I do play, um, like, there's a couple of, like, uh, regional league set up as well for, like, local teams. Um, so I play for one of them, like, in over 35 leagues, so... But those are the main team. And we also uh, have the ice hockey team as well. We've got the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, and they're fairly successful. I think they've won the Stanley Cup a couple of times. But that's really just kind of what it is around here. Um, I know David Beckham's got his uh, Miami team starting up as well. They're trying to create these uh, rivalries. Um, there was talk of Tampa getting one as well. But um, that would have to be an MLS expansion. So, I don't know. They'll try to get the rivalries up uh, Promotes it up to them with an expansion, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. But that's really uh, the local teams that we have in about. So I have plenty of you, uh, sport for you to choose from anyway. Yeah, it's uh, all very expensive. So. <laughs> like, I think take it to the Buccaneers, it's like 100 bucks again. That's very expensive. Not like 24 quid to get in and see Kelly. Put it that way. Uh, so we'll just go straight on to the Hibs game uh, from the weekend. Uh, almost 1,400. Uh, Kelly fans travelling up, uh, they seem to be slowly being, you know, lured back uh, to supporting the team, you know, after all the hard times uh, that we've endured in the past couple of years, and that's good to see, isn't it, Andrew? Yeah, it's really good to see. 
Um, so I've just had a couple of messages saying that this is not working. No. Some guy on Twitter says uh, not working, chaps. Nah, it's probably just from the one earlier. Apparently we're it's live now. Center right now. Hmm. Keep going on with it anyway, because uh, you can tell us in the comments on YouTube if you can see us or not. Uh, if not, then we're talking to ourselves, but uh, hopefully you can anyway. So, uh, yeah, 1,400 away fans, uh, certainly looking good uh, from a, a club perspective and a, a support perspective. Yeah, I think that's great. Like, um, we, we always knew there was going to be a big group. Um, also, it was a bit puzzling why they... I think we probably even had more if we'd, we'd actually put it on the actual public holidays. But um, even then, having it, you know, that many people there, and I also saw that story kicking around about... Um, a guy who was Australian who was up in Edinburgh visiting and a bunch of Kelly fans basically dragged him onto the bus, gave him a couple of beers and he went to his first Kelly, uh, Kelly game. So I think we now have a, another Kamarat fan, which I thought was quite cool when you read about it. Yeah, I know. I was going to talk about a, bit, a bit about that later, but i just talk about it just now. Obviously, it's a, it's a real feel-good story and it's good to, you know, have a, a good story about, you know, Kilmarnock fans in the news for once rather than, you know, being a bit low attendances or... You know, not many fans, not as not having many fans, so it's good to see something that positive. Yeah, the thing that always annoyed me about the story about Kelly fans is it was just, it's because our stadium's so big, then the juxtaposition between the, how big our stadium is and how little fans it is there. But even when you look at our attendances overall, we're still bigger than the likes of Inverness, Ross County, Motherwell on the day, um, you know, Hamilton. We're the ones that seem to get singled out for it, which is always a bit annoying, but. I, mean, I still remember back in the day, I remember going to one of Alex Totten's last games and it was 4-2 kill against Hibs and there was 11,000 there on a Thursday night. So, um, you know, I don't know if we'll ever get back to then, but if we can get back to like four, five, six thousand, I think that'd be great. Yeah, I know, they definitely are coming back in small numbers. Uh, Odds the game, uh, before we even started, uh, Team Wayne came out and uh, Eamon Brophy was missing uh, and we found out on Twitter that he was injured and wouldn't make the game. Did you think that that could be a big miss for us going into it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, they've obviously struck up such a partnership. Um, we always thought that could be, you know, definitely a bit, uh, a bit of a loss. But thankfully, the team, even though it was a bit of a, you know, for all the reports, it wasn't the best performance of the season. We kind of got the goal early on, and then had to kind of battle. In some ways, it sounded a lot like the Motherwell result. Yeah. Uh... So obviously we got off to the best possible start. Boydie doing what he does best. That's uh, five goals uh, for December. Uh, it was five in uh, six games, and he's really, you know, even though he might, you know, be called fat and old all the time. Everyone's saying he's past it, but he really has proved them wrong. You know, this season, twelve goals so far, and he's certainly far away from, you know, retiring. It seems. Yeah, I think it uh, makes you wonder as well what he's been up to the last couple of years. Um, you know, he's definitely turning on the form now that Steve Clark's in place. But um, I think we're all, you know, when the things what now joint second in the top uh, ever top of flight goal scorer for us. I think he's only got Willie Cully now to beat, but I think he's like a good 30, 40 goals ahead of him. So I don't know if he will ever reach that level, but it's definitely an amazing achievement. And long may continue, especially since Erwin hasn't really hit the heights that we thought he would. Yeah, do you think now that he's scoring all these goals this season, do you think we can maybe look past all the things that he does, you know, in his media capacity that seems to annoy Kelly fans quite a lot? I'm sure you'll probably still say something that will irritate us. Um, 
I think it's just it's just when he goes on and starts talking about the fact that teams and different players in the run up to where we're going to play them. I mean, I know he's been on radio defending himself and saying that he doesn't believe in you know the managers come up and sticking this stuff up on the, the billboard. But you only have to see it. When you look at the Aberdeen fans, the Aberdeen players that came out when they played there, and they came out of the trap really fast. And even last year when we played Hearts, like they were really up for it after his comments about them. Now she could balance that out by saying the Rangers uh, didn't come you know out of the traps against us after he criticised them, but. You know, I still think, you know, why put anything to chance? You know, Lindsay, you're a football player. You, no one, no one uh, says you should, can't be a pundit, but I think you just have to temper what you're saying somewhat. And a lot of the time with Boyd, it's not exactly what he says, it's the way he's saying it. Um, if he just tempered or just uh, relaxed some of the language he uses somewhat, rather than coming out there and just full-throated, like, almost like an angry man ranting, you know, just sometimes um, makes it seem worse than what he actually what he said. Yeah, so uh, after that boy goal, uh, it was sort of all Hibs from then on, apart from a wee, a wee bit in the second half. But for the first half anyway, it was mostly all Hibs. Uh, but we were dealing with it quite well, you know, defending quite well. Uh, Broadfoot and Boyd at the back, doing what they had to do. Uh, but then obviously got their, their equaliser half, uh, midway through the half. Uh, and Jamie McDonald, who has been, you know, outstanding for us, uh, you know, since he's come to the club, uh, you know, drops the ball uh, and it's an easy... Uh, top walking uh, for Shaw you know do you think this was just a one-off or do you think he's kind of getting to that stage where his talent's beginning to weigh he's maybe getting a wee bit too old to be competing at this level no I think it's just a one-off I think every goalkeeper's going to throw one in down again and don't get me wrong when I saw the highlights it's a shocking shocking drop it's, it's just so bad but um, I've seen Craig Gordon do it you know I've seen uh, one of my favourite Kelly goalkeepers of all time Dragovic uh, yeah, do it. So um, I think it's just going to happen now and again. The problem is when you're a goalkeeper and you make a mistake, it inevitably leads to a goal. So it's just unfortunate that I think if the way that we were playing at the time, I don't know if we'd have lost the game if we hadn't dropped it. Yeah. So there's been much discussion on Facebook and Twitter. You know, should should this mean that Cammy Bell gets a start? You know, with the league game, league cup game coming up, or the Scottish Cup cup game coming up, rather. Uh, should he get a start in that one do you think just to sort of prove himself and see if he's still got it at this level it's a hard one because I do like Cannibal and I think if he came in he would do well but McDonald okay he had and I noticed some of the comments here how many one-offs does he get to make I don't think I can't think of many one-offs this season where he's actually dropped his points I know that he kind of fumbled a couple of against Rangers and um, we were lucky to get away with him but I don't know, like in the Monroe game, for example, and even later on in the Hibs game, like some of his saying were fantastic. Yeah, I uh, think for me, the one, his mistake that gets me was uh, well, the last game of last season uh, when he, he got chipped by Liam Boyce, which effectively yeah. gave them seventh uh, ahead of us. I thought maybe he could have done a bit better there, and that's the one that's really stuck in my mind is, you know, that did cost us, you know, the chance of seventh place, but as you say, he has dug us out of a hole so many times, uh, and he probably just deserves you know as many chances as he needs. I think we're just a wee bit spoiled at the moment. We've got like two decent goalkeepers. You know, like the days when we had Samson in chart, you know, in goal. Yeah. And it's quite funny now, even to this day, when you hear about goals coming in and opening all mics and stuff like that. Um, you know, along the lines of, oh, Samson made the save and someone scored the, uh, the rebound. It's like, how many times have you seen that? You just couldn't hold on to anything. It's ridiculous. 
I think Jamie McDonald or uh, Cammy Bell are both far superior keepers to him. So I just think we've been spoiled at the moment. Yeah, Jamie Tannock said McDonald's earned us more points than any other player over the last few years, in his opinion, which is probably you know just about right. Uh, so I think we'd have relegated in the lock season if it wasn't for him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, definitely make, keep McDonald's for as long as we can, to be honest. Uh, so that was uh, the equaliser uh, for one-one. Uh, and then you know even apart from a wee flurry uh, early in the, fir- the second half where Jordan Jones uh, had actually hit a shot on target for once uh, it was all Hibs in that half uh, John McGinn running the show from the midfield and that really was you know why Hibs dominated so much it was John McGinn that was winning that midfield battle ahead of you know Malumbu Power and Dicker which you know there haven't, there haven't been many times since Steve Clark came in that they've those three have lost that midfield battle, you know, the game at the weekend and then against Aberdeen where we lost three one as well. Those seem to be the two times where they haven't won that midfield battle and that's what's, you know, made us drop points. Yeah, I think there's no denying we weren't quite at the races at the weekend. It wasn't the best performance and especially since Hibs, Hibs played the Derby match in the middle of the week we obviously our game against Hamilton was cancelled so you know, you think we'd be more up for it, be the most energetic, but um, I just don't think we played particularly well. The only good thing you can say about that is in the past, in those games, we'd have probably been pumped, you know, 3 or 4 nil. So I think the fact that we're tough to beat these days, even when we're not playing particularly well, you know, it's good to be a benefit. Yeah, do you think it's, it's really good how, you know, it didn't look like we were ever going to win the game, but, you know, Steve Clark's given us this mentality where if we can't win it, we won't lose it, so you know we picked up another point, uh, which effectively gave, gave us top six. You know the new year. And crazy enough, if Jamie McDonald hadn't dropped that, I, from the highlights I've seen, and I know that uh, they had a lot of pressure, but I think we could have held out for the, the whole three points, which would have been probably a bit undeserving. But um, you know, many times that's happened to us in the past. Yeah, uh, we had I think it was two shots in total. Uh, two shots on target they had 12 shots and two on target as well so I think Hibs' problem is that they really need a striker and luckily for us none of them were, were really on form that day and that's probably how we escaped with the point but anyway having seen the highlights uh, who would have been your man of the match from that game? I don't know it's kind of hard to tell especially from what I saw the highlights but I'd probably give it to Boyd because his goal was superb yeah, uh, it, it was definitely, you know, that is what got us the point in the end because we didn't really look like scoring either, to be honest. Uh, I think it was good as well. Yeah, uh, it was a fantastic goal from Boyd, but I would be giving it to uh, Kirk Broadfoot. Uh, you know, if it hadn't been for that Jeremy Donald there, then it would have been maybe a clean sheet, uh, which is not something you can say very often against Hibs. Especially this season, and I think he, you know, defended really well and uh, held it from the back really well. And he would be the one that I would give my man of the match to, anyway. Uh, so you can tell, let us know in the comments who your man of the match was uh, for that game. But we'll go on to a bit of transfer talk. Uh, one man in particular has been, you know, doing the doing the rounds on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, Stevie Naismith, will he or won't he come back to Rugby Park? Andrew, your thoughts on it? No, I, I really, 
I'm trying to separate what I really, really hope and, you know, my excitement that he would come back just with, you know, the realities of football. You know, at the end of the day, it wasn't, what, was it 18 months ago that he was bought for £10 million? He's probably on, what, he's £40,000 a week. And I know that, you know, he's planned, he's talking about coming back up to Scotland and money isn't an issue, but, I know, he still must be a severe drop uh, for him to take it. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely love it. And all the little indications are and reading the forums that, you know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. So, I don't know. It just At the end of the day, I can't quite see it. I'd completely love to be wrong, but um, I can't quite see it. Maybe in the summer, I don't know what's going to happen. He might stay down south for another year, or unless we get him a loan from Norwich or something like that. But I don't know. I, I, don't know, I just I find it hard to believe that it's going to happen, but maybe that's just the old pessimist in me. Yeah, uh, there seems to be a suggestion, seeing as, you know, Norwich are one of the teams that, you know, we're looking at Jordan Jones that there could be some kind of, you know, swap going on uh, with Naismith coming up here and Jones going down there. If that were to happen, would you be, you know, what what side would you swing on? Would you say that Jones was a bigger, you know, asset to us than Naismith would be? Or do you think, you know, Jones has maybe done all he can here and it's time for him to, you know, move on? I would drive Jordan Jones down to Norwich and bring Naismith back up. Mostly just because... At the end of the day, realistically, how much longer are we going to hold on to Jones? The summer? At least if we get Naismith up here, he's probably going to stay with us for a few years. I can't see him trying to go anywhere else. And I think he said beforehand the only two clubs he wants to play for in Scotland are us, and I assume the other one was Rangers. So if he comes up there, I think we're going to have him for a couple of years, is if we keep Jones, he'll be gone anyway within you know, a year tops. So I would take Naismith. And at the end of the day, like, Naismith's still an you know, established international player. Um, you know, one of ours. So I'd rather bring Naismith back up. Um, as much as I do like John Jones, he still sometimes his end product can be a wee bit um, not the best. But I think Naismith are going to get more longevity out of. Yeah, you would think so. So apart from Naismith, there hasn't been a whole lot of other names being linked. I'm sure Steve Clark will have you know some people in his sights for bringing up to Rugby Park. I'm sure they'll be of quite a good quality. Uh, due yeah. to the contacts. I've seen Anya mentioned a few times in the forums, which is another one that seems a bit ridiculous, but apparently someone mentioned there might be some deal with, um, uh, was it Bryson, who was at Derby, where uh, Anya is right now, and he's getting put out in loan, and I think we maybe do some of the money because we have a, a, a sell-on fee, so I don't know whether that money could be then used just to pay for Anya. I don't know if that, that's true or whatsoever, but I think he would be quite an exciting possibility. And even none of these are true, it's still de- better to be linked with these kind of guys and Scott Robinson and Coyote and uh, some of the other people that we've you know dealt with over the years. Yeah, I mean, it does just show, you know, since Lee, Steve Clark's come in, the calibre of players that we're now being linked with compared to what we were. We are definitely, you know, on the up. We're a lot more... They're, we're a much more attractive club to players than we've been, you know, for the past five, six years. Uh, so it's definitely something they've got to look forward to uh, in the next year or so. But uh, just uh, lastly on the transfers, what areas of the team do you think we need to strengthen, if any, uh, you know, going into the second half of the season? You can tell us in the comments as well uh, who you would you know, what areas of the team you think could do with a wee improvement uh, heading into the second half of the season. Andrew, your thoughts? 
I think we still need a striker. Um, I think we all thought Erwin would be it. So if Erwin actually, you know, gets his, uh, himself sorted, then maybe. He was. Um, I think we could probably do some more wingers as well. You know, Dom Thomas has been a bit in and out. He played well in that one game that he had against um, the Clark brought him on. Um, and Jones was suspended, he played quite well that day. But um, if Jones goes, you know, I think even if Naismith does come in, I don't know if I'd really want to see him stuck out in the wing. You'd want to play him more centrally. So I think we probably need someone with a bit more width. Yeah. Uh... Someone in the comments not too keen about uh, Lee Irwin clearly calling him a bit of a donkey. Which the thing uh, is, he is a player. Like it's the most annoying thing. Like I don't think he's ever been prolific, but he's always been like a decent player. You know, we saw him beforehand and Motherwell. He always was good, and I've seen a little bit of him down in England when he was there, and he all you know he's always seemed quite good and fast. But I don't know. It's like he just decided he was going to become slow and lazy. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, he just doesn't seem to really... He's not looked like he cares too much when he's come on the park anymore, which is a bit of a shame to see. Uh, and, if, you know, if he's got that kind of attitude, then you may as well, you know, ship him off and get someone else in, you know, with that freed-up wage budget. Well, there's rumours that his over after him, but I don't know how much truth there is in that. Obviously, they've got the money from Louis Moult, so... I don't know if we can sell them for a hundred thousand. They'll probably take it. Yeah, I think if you know if we could get some form, then definitely would. Uh, but for me, areas to strengthen, yeah, probably the strike force is, you know, the main thing. Maybe just one more quality striker if we can get someone to kind of, you know, back up, you know, Boyd and Brophy if one of them was to get injured like Brophy is, uh, just now. But. You know, the way the team is just now, you know, we're picking up points. We're picking up the most points in the league at the minute. So, you know, I'm not sure if I would want to upset the balance that we've got in the team just now. You know, if we can keep everyone fit, you know, if we can keep everyone motivated, then there's no reason why we have to bring anyone in, you know, make massive changes. Uh, you know, because we're fine with what we've got just now. If, you know, if we can keep the same motivation you know, Steve Clark can keep them doing what they're doing, and there's no reason why we can't just keep the same squad going into the second half of the season. Yeah, I think we're, we're still going, there's going to come a time when we've got a rapid run of games, and, you know, we'll probably touch on it later on, but if we get a cup run as well, we can have a, quite a lot of games in a short period of time, so we need to have a decent squad, because I'm sure people will get injured and suspended, so. Yeah, so we'll go on to our wishes for 2018, for so our wishes for the second half of the season, and some comments that people will be paying mother will just to take uh, Lee Irwin off our hands uh, it's very generous of you so they can have Irwin we'll have to yeah, we'll, we'll do a wee swap deal but uh, our wishes for 2018 we'll start off with our league position What we're trying to be realistic here but what would you like to see where, where would you like to see us finish come you know the end of the season I would obviously the top 6 um, ideally 4 I'd love to get us into Europe. I'd love to go back. Uh, like, if we went to Europe, I'd, I'd try to come over in the summer anyway. If we went to Europe, I'd love to take my son over and go with uh, Kelly John around Europe. You know, it's been a long time since we've done that. Um, in some ways, or um, you know, I think we'd always be happy with a comfortable six or seven. You know, like, well clear relegation, 
um, you know, something to build on for next year. Maybe something that doesn't, you know, make Clark's um, star seem that much brighter, so we hold on to him for longer. But, um, yeah, I think uh, ideally I'd love to see fourth, you know, and hopefully get into Europe. Yeah, Europe would be, you know, amazing, but I think I'm, I'm trying to be a bit realistic here, you know, we were, you know, we've been stuck it down in the relegation battle for the past, you know, five seasons, apart from last season. So maybe we're just looking at a steady improvement from last season, you know, top six, sixth or fifth would, you know, be amazing uh, this year, just top six in general. Uh, a nice and this, cup run. Yeah, I, I just don't want us to get in at like Partick Thistle last year where we got, got into sixth and then just get humped every week. Um, I, I don't think it would quite happen, but um, yeah, I think if we got up there, I'd like to at least try and make us push on a couple of places because you know, we can beat Hearts, I'm fairly sure we can beat Heads, we've shown we can beat Rangers. You know, I think Aberdeen and Celtic are the only two we've really kind of struggled a bit against a little bit of that draw at Celtic Park. Um, I was saying beforehand, I was kind of disappointed when Celtic actually lost it on beating run because I had this dream that we were going to go all the way to the Scottish Cup final and set, beat Celtic in the final, just because the absolute seed would have been amazing. If Celtic had lost to treble and lost it on beating run against us in the Cup final, that would just be so much fun. Yeah. But I, 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 still, I, I just want a good Cup run. It's been, how long is it since I think the last time we had any decent Cup run was uh, under Kenny Shields when we got the quarterfinals? Yeah, I think it was against Hibs, was it, at home? Yeah, Memphis destroyed us that day at Rugby Park. 4-2, I think it was, sending off. But since then, I think that's only like, what, the second time since we won the Cup, we got to the quarterfinals, so, you know, I'd love to see a good good, a good Cup run. Um, assuming we get past Ross County, hopefully we can get the luck of the draw and get some uh, some team in the Highland League or League 2 team that we haven't been to in a while. Yeah, definitely, I mean... My fear is that, you know, we're going to have a good, you know, three quarters of a season this season. Then, you know, we might lose Clark in the summer. We might lose, you know, all of our players that have performed well this season. It's just going to be like a kind of one season wonder kind of thing. They might be back, you know, down bottom six next season. So I'm not wanting us to overperform too much this yeah, season. Yeah, it's, like, it's almost like the Mexico season, you know, where we've done amazing for that one season and then... Um, Everything the players got picked off and everything started falling apart. But I kind of get the impression that Clark is here for the long haul, unless something amazing comes up in England. But I think he, you know, I think he's actually here to help rejuvenate the team. I don't think he's just going to run off like the other uh, Clark did beforehand. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, so you know, we talked about the league position, the Scottish Cup. You know, the club as you know a whole. What would you like to see? Is there anything you'd like to see in particular there? Uh, I, was winning. I was winning it. I still remember 97 being there, watching Paul Wright score and just the scenes that uh, John finished at the end. It was just amazing. And, um, you know, I know that the League Cup final was special in so many ways, but I think back then we hadn't won anything for, what was it, 50 years or something like that at the time. Um, so I would love to see... I'd love to see a good cup run. Semi-finals is the minimum. I'd like to think. Um, I think it really shows uh, how Clark's taking this on. If we can get a good cup run out of it, and also hopefully give us. Um, I think one of the big things, if we want to bring the crowds back, there's nothing better than a good cup run. Especially if we get to the final, the buzz uh, throughout the season. Suppose the end of people buying season tickets for the next season would be fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Just in terms of the club as a whole, you know, 
just the, the intent, attendance is just keep you know getting better and better you know the away support you know just louder and louder more people coming to the away games as well uh, and then you know at the end of the season if we're done well then you know you just want to see a kind of you know early uptake in season tickets you know people excited for the next season rather than fearful as we have been you know the past yeah. four or five years I know some people on the Kelly forums who thought there'd be some dramatic uptick, but I never thought that would happen. I think it's going to be gradual. It's going to be a couple of extra hundred people here and there. You know, if we can get like an extra four or five hundred back this year and another four or five hundred back the season after that, that'd be great. You know, the thing is, just took a long time for them all to disappear. It's going to take a long time to get people back. Yeah, definitely. A couple of comments. Uh, your wishes for 2018. Uh, Saint says top six. And a decent Scottish Cup run. And Jamie Tannock says top six. Uh, get Naismith and keep Clark. So you never know. Those are definitely all achievable. Uh, anyway, Andrew, I know you wanted to talk about a bit about... As, oh, I know it's not strictly Kelly related, but we're going to talk about uh, the coverage of Scottish football over you know the winter period. Yeah, I think uh, it kind of stemmed from... Some guy posted a big thread uh, on Twitter and uh, Tom English responded to it and um, and then I know me and Russell had kind of talked to him about it as well and it was more just down to the fact that on January 2nd there was a full card of SPFL football apart from the Premiership and yeah there was one game on BBC Alba um, but there was nothing else, there was no you know open all mics, there was no live game on the radio, there was no... You know, there was none of the one-hour uh, sports sound magazine show or on at 6.30. There was none of that. It was just completely done. And I think a couple of people were, like, basically hitting the BBC up and saying this wouldn't have happened. The Rangers and Ibs and all that were still down there. And he was trying to make the case that, you know, we were just basically, uh, you know, taking this as an opportunity to bash the BBC and, you know, that there was a game on Alba and that there was loads of articles up on the website, and I was like, come on, Tom, that's not really the point we're trying to make here. It's, you've got a full card of SPFL football here, and no one, there's no reporting there, there's no one there. Like, I mean, we made the point of there's people like uh, Boss Ball and Terrace who kind of go out through their own time and money and go to the lower leagues and report on them and do shows on them, and the BBC, with its budget, couldn't even be bothered to do that. I just thought it was a bit of a poor show, really. You know, there's no there's no sports sound on this week until Friday. Then I think it's what an hour of football and then rugby. Then I think there's going to be some sports sound at the weekend uh, for the games on Saturday. But I don't know. Just you can, can you imagine if uh, Rangers and Heads were still down in the championship and playing a game on the second January? Not a hope in hell there would have been a media blackout of that day. And it's just a bit disappointing because we have some big clubs in the championships. Uh, you know, for relative size of Scotland with decent crowds and everything else. And, I think one guy on Twitter said that he was driving back from the Dundee United game back down towards Glasgow and turned on Sportsline in uh, BBC Scotland and there was nothing on it. He ended up having to listen to BBC Five Live, which had loads of football from the English Premiership and down to the Championship and the English League One and League Two. It's just a bit sad that, you know, this is our national sport and there was nothing there on about it. It was a bit, it was just a very disappointing. And there was nothing else out there. Like, with people off and who were kind of hungry to watch some football. You know, hearing about it on Twitter, and there was nothing on the radio. There was, like, at the very minimum, you thought they would have had one of the commentary games, and then just a couple of reporters dotted around the ground reporting on the scores. But you know, there was nothing. So, yeah, it was, just, it was an interesting thread on Twitter. It kind of went on for like a good couple of hours. I think my Twitter phone was uh, blowing up all the time. But um, I think it was more just as the point that Tom English thought that we were all just having a bash at him. And 
the conversation is actually quite civil. We're all saying, like, no, we like the BBC, we appreciate everything it does, but at the same time, the BBC has a mandate to cover everyone, not just the big teams. It's not, it's not like Sky or like that, that has you know commercial responsibilities just to focus on the big people. This is supposed to cover the whole country. And you can even see Clyde One Super Scoreboard has shows this week, and the BBC doesn't. So I think it's just a bit of a poor show for the BBC this week. Yeah, definitely. And it's just quite ironic how, you know, there's always articles in the media about how, you know, Scottish football is dying, the attendances are getting lower and lower all the time. And yet they're, you, you know, they're not really doing their bit in terms of coverage of, you know, a lower league. So it's definitely an interesting, you know, question to be had and something that could definitely be talked about. And that, that old talking point that there's no, uh, the attendance is going down and down is just not true. I think there's a new survey that came out this week and Scotland was like the top supported club per capita. Uh, you know, like we have more people going to our games uh, as a percentage of the population than any other country in Europe. Um, and I think even if you take it into the, just the top league, I think we're in the top two or three. So um, there's loads of nonsense about that. And you can see all around, like there's definitely some grounds, obviously Hamilton and stuff like that, where, you know, the crowds are quite poor, but you only had to see the difference between Hearts and Hibs getting relegated and sorting himself out and coming back up. You know, Hearts playing to like 18, 19, 20,000 every week. I remember, what, five, six years ago, they could barely get 11 or 12,000. Yeah, no, it's definitely never as bad as people say. It is, I had a comment, where is Wiggy? I would assume they're talking about Lachlan when they say that. Uh, no idea where they are. Uh, they've been left to hold down the fort this week, but I think that's going to do is. Uh, for today, they're still going on about Lachlan's hairline, even though he's not actually here. Yeah, you guys get off. He's not coming back on now because of that until he gets some uh, ploy-desk plug-in. Yeah, so go and, uh, go and follow him on Twitter and then uh, you can you can berate him on there. Just give him some personal messages or just get his Twitter just now so that you can go and uh, give him some abuse on it. If you so wish, it's at Lockie Hyatt, L-O-C-K-Y-H-I-G-H-E-T. So go and follow him on there, I'll surely appreciate it. Tell him we sent you to go and break him about his hairline. But uh, that'll do us for today. My thanks to Andrew McGregor uh, for coming and joining me on this one. No worries, thank you very much. Do you want to tell us your Twitter so they can go and see all your... Uh, sure, uh, you follow me on Twitter, it's uh, at thesnowman21. Yeah, so that's where you can go and follow Andrew, go and follow him on there. You can follow us on Twitter... Uh, at One Team Ayrshire and on Facebook it's One Team Ayrshire and then you can subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. I've been your host Adam Lyon, thank you very much for watching and we'll see you next time.